You're listening to a teaching from Get the Word Out and Mary Jean Powers. For more information and audio content, visit www.getthewordout.cc. What is vision? The dictionary defines vision as sight, what you see, observation, perception, view, And a less concrete way to talk about vision is in terms of creativity, to imagine, innovation, inspiration, intuition. Without eyesight, people can wander. We run into obstacles. We can easily get discouraged. We can have difficulty perceiving danger. And without creativity and innovation, life can get boring. We lose motivation. We become joyless. Remember when Martin Luther King Jr. famously said, I have a dream. His words were inspiring. He put what could be into words for us. He gave those of us with ears to hear a direction to pursue. Our God, who is not limited by time, knows the beginning from the end. He sees what's around the corner. He knows where we've come from, He knows where we are, but he also has vision for where he wants us to go. He knows what's best for us, and he knows how to get us there. We need to ask ourselves this question. Are we willing to lay down the good things for the best things? God has purpose for us, direction, a plan, and a strategy to get there. God wants forward movement, not striving, not anxiety, not pressure, but maturity and growth and positive change. This is where repentance comes in. Repentance requires a change in thinking and, therefore, a change in direction. God is not complacent, and he doesn't want us to be complacent either. No battle was ever won with complacency. No major change has ever come about by being complacent. So, I ask you, what are God's dreams for you, for your family, for your church, or your community? Of course, we have personal goals and dreams and bucket lists. I'm always adding stuff to my bucket list. It keeps me motivated to try new things, and trying new things has driven away fear from my life. So here are some things I still haven't checked off my bucket list. I want to take all five of my grandkids on a mission trip, but one at a time. I want to visit the Northeastern United States in the autumn to see those brilliant colors. I want to ride in the sidecar of a motorcycle. I want to learn to play the ukulele. So on my 50th birthday, my whole family went together and bought me a package deal to go skydiving, complete with video and photos. It was a dream come true. I had a vision for years, for decades. I would look overhead at the sound of a small plane and imagine myself jumping out of it. What a rush that was. For what blessings did God originally design you, you, the individual? Regarding vision and dreams, here's a spiritual principle. The things God wants to use the most are the things the enemy attacks the hardest. So I ask you, 
What are God's dreams for your family? Do you have clear vision, dreams, goals, and hopes for your family? Specific ones? How are you strategizing to meet those goals? How are you praying? What are you actively doing to see God's dreams for your family come true? You know, no one ever begins a marriage by saying, I'm going to do everything I can to assure that this marriage ends in divorce. But I wonder how many begin a marriage by purposefully and intentionally strategizing together to assure that their love only grows and that they will both do anything and everything possible to remain the best of friends and stay crazy in love for the rest of their lives. What were God's original intentions for your family? How do your family values reflect God's design for your family? What did he create your family to do? It requires vision and strategy, perseverance, commitment to become who God has created you to be. You know, there is power in agreement with God. When we agree with him about his dreams for us, he begins to release resources and make connections for us to see his best for us come true. Remember, the things God wants to use the most are the things the enemy attacks the hardest. The enemy hates successful marriages and strong families. He hates unity. What are God's dreams for your community? What do you think God's dreams are for your town, for your city? What was God's original intention for your town? For what blessings did he design your city? What is the divine destiny of your church within your city? Well, for his church. Great questions, huh? Now remember, the things God wants to use the most are the things the enemy attacks the hardest. So if we look at the patterns in which the enemy has attacked you, your family, your church, your community, and then ask Holy Spirit to give us discernment for the opposite of that, then we can begin to more clearly see God's design for us. We have an enemy, and he hates us. God has a plan for our lives, but so does Satan. And Satan's plan is to abort God's plan. The enemy does not want us to become who God originally created us to be. You know what John 10.10 says, The thief comes only to steal and kill and destroy. But Jesus said, I came that they may have life and have it abundantly. If the enemy has a strategy against you, and he does, to steal, kill, and destroy God's plans and dreams and vision for you, then here's my question. What is your strategy against him? What can you do to assure that God gets his way and you get God's best? Let's look at some random people in the Bible who were in relationship with God and were just living their day-to-day -day lives when God intervened. Each of these people chose to agree with God and to act on his dreams for them. 
There was nothing special about these people except their willingness to love God and show him their love by their obedience. In John 14, 15, Jesus said, If you love me, you will keep my commandments. These were people who said yes to God's dreams. How about Moses? While herding sheep, God showed up in the form of a burning bush, and God gave Moses vision for what he was to do. God wanted Moses to speak for him, something Moses never saw himself doing. God wanted Moses to lead his people, something Moses was terrified to do. But Moses was willing, and he followed God's dream to set his people free. Peter. Peter was out fishing, and then while he was cleaning his nets, Jesus showed up and gave Peter a huge catch of fish. Peter's response was, Depart from me, for I am a sinful man, Lord. Jesus said, Don't be afraid. From now on, you will catch men. So Peter left everything and followed Jesus, and Peter became the head of the church of the risen Christ. Gideon. Gideon was a judge in Israel during the time of the divided kingdom. At the threshing floor one day, an angel showed up to tell Gideon how God saw him, which was in direct contrast to how Gideon saw himself and how his family saw him. But God had an assignment for Gideon that was much bigger than Gideon would ever have imagined for himself. Through Gideon's agreement with God and his obedience, he and his army defeated their enemies who had shut God out of the land. How about David? He was a boy tending his father's sheep. Samuel the prophet showed up and anointed him as king. And David became the shepherd king of Israel. Elizabeth she was the wife of a priest. She and her husband were never able to have children. An angel appeared and told her that even though she had been barren, she would have a son in her old age. And that boy became the forerunner of Jesus. In fact, about John the Baptist, Jesus said, Truly I say to you, among those born of women, there has arisen no one greater than John the Baptist. Yet the one who is least in the kingdom of heaven is greater than he. That's Matthew 11, 11. These people and many more were just normally living their lives. They loved God. They obeyed God. They feared God in a healthy way. They were on the way to the next thing their lives required of them when the kingdom of God intersected their day to day. And they were given new vision, a new assignment, and a new way to walk. But when God gives vision and an assignment, we have a choice to make. Will we obey or not? Will we do our part in our relationship with God or not? Jonah was living a successful life of prophetic ministry when God intersected it and Jonah said no to God. As far as we know, he did not fulfill God's vision for him. He did not become who God created him to be. The rich young ruler in the New Testament was actually seeking Jesus out. But when Jesus intersected with his heart and touched his idol, his money, he turned and walked away. He shut himself off from becoming who God created him to be. Judas he had the same opportunity as all the other disciples to know Jesus, to love and follow him, 
but he betrayed Jesus. He refused to be part of God's vision. And we know his end. You know, God will never change his mind about his original intention for you or who he created your family or your church or your community to be. But you can disqualify yourself by refusing God's offer. We can disqualify ourselves by disagreeing with what God says about who we are. Just because God desires something, just because God makes his will known to us, doesn't mean it will automatically happen. God wants partnership, relationship, agreement. And he requires our cooperation and action for his dreams to come true. There are steps to take, things to do, when God reveals his will. We can disqualify ourselves by doing nothing. Let's be careful. Let's be careful that we do not disqualify ourselves. So, how do we get vision? How do we develop eyes to see what God sees? Here are some biblical examples. Nehemiah prayed for 120 days to get God's strategy for rebuilding the protective walls around Jerusalem. And the job itself only took 52 days to accomplish. We get vision through prayer. The disciples and other followers of Jesus waited on God, worshipped him, and prayed for 40 days after the crucifixion, resurrection, and ascension of Jesus. And then the power of God came, Holy Spirit came, and the church was born. We get vision through obedience, through waiting on God, and through worshiping him. Paul waited on God for years after his encounter with Jesus. He studied the scriptures. He spent time with Holy Spirit. He submitted to the church. And then God released him to write two-thirds of the New Testament and become a traveling short-term missionary to the Gentiles. We get vision through time studying God's Word, through personal time with Holy Spirit, through cooperation with our spiritual mothers and fathers. When Moses needed direction from the Lord, he asked, he waited, he listened, and he obeyed. He never assumed that God would do something the same way twice. We get vision from God by asking for it, by waiting for him, by listening to him, by obeying him. So let's review. How do we get vision? Through prayer, waiting on God, worshiping him, studying his word, spending time with Holy Spirit, submitting to spiritual mothers and fathers who know us and love us, and by asking him, by listening to him, and by obeying God. Okay, that's how we get vision. Now, how do we keep vision? How do we sustain sight for what God sees? The same way, by faith, active faith. Listen as I read Hebrews chapter 11 on faith. Now faith is assurance of things hoped for, proof of things not seen. For by this the elders obtain testimony. By faith we understand that the universe has been framed by the word of God, so that what is seen has not been made out of things which are visible. By faith Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offerings. And by faith Abel still speaks 
even though he is dead. By faith, Enoch was taken from this life so that he did not experience death. He could not be found because God had taken him away. For before he was taken, he was commended as one who pleased God. And without faith, it is impossible to please God because anyone who comes to him must believe that he exists and that he rewards those who earnestly seek him. By faith, Noah, being warned about things not yet seen, moved with godly fear, prepared a ship for the saving of his house, through which he condemned the world and became heir of the righteousness which is according to faith. By faith, Abraham, when he was called, obeyed to go out to the place which he was to receive for an inheritance. He went out not knowing where he went. By faith he lived as an alien in the land of promise, as in a land not his own, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he looked for the city which has the foundations, whose builder and maker is God. By faith even Sarah herself received power to conceive, and she bore a son when she was past age, since she counted him faithful who had promised. Therefore, as many as the stars of the sky in multitude, and as innumerable as the sand which is by the seashore, were fathered by one man, and him as good as dead. These all died in faith, not having received the promises, but having seen them and embraced them from afar and having confessed that they were strangers and pilgrims on the earth. For those who say such things make it clear that they are seeking a country of their own. If indeed they had been thinking of that country from which they went out, they would have had enough time to return. But now they desire a better country, that is, a heavenly one. Therefore God is not ashamed of them to be called their God, for he has prepared a city for them. By faith, Abraham, being tested, offered up Isaac. Yes, he who had gladly received the promises was offering up his one and only son, to whom it was said, Your offspring will be accounted as from Isaac, concluding that God is able to raise up even from the dead. Figuratively speaking, he also did receive him back from the dead. By faith, Isaac blessed Jacob and Esau, even concerning things to come. By faith, Jacob, when he was dying, blessed each of the sons of Joseph and worshipped, leaning on the top of his staff. By faith, Joseph, when his end was near, made mention of the departure of the children of Israel and gave instructions concerning his bones. By faith, Moses, when he was born, was hidden for three months by his parents because they saw that he was a beautiful child and they were not afraid of the king's commandment. By faith, Moses, when he had grown up, refused to be called the son of Pharaoh's daughter, choosing rather to share ill treatment with God's people than to enjoy the pleasures of sin for a time, considering the reproach of Christ greater riches than the treasures of Egypt. For he looked to the reward by faith he left Egypt, not fearing the wrath of the king, for he endured as seeing him who is invisible. 
By faith he kept the Passover and the sprinkling of the blood, that the destroyer of the firstborn should not touch them. By faith they passed through the Red Sea as on dry land. When the Egyptians tried to do so, they were swallowed up. By faith the walls of Jericho fell down after they had been encircled for seven days. By faith Rahab the prostitute didn't perish with those who were disobedient, having received the spies in peace. What more shall I say? For the time would fail me if I told of Gideon, Barak, Samson, Jephthah, David, Samuel, and the prophets who through faith subdued kingdoms, worked out righteousness, obtained promises, stopped the mouths of lions, quenched the power of fire, escaped the edge of the sword, from weakness were made strong, grew mighty in war, and caused foreign armies to flee. Women received their dead by resurrection. Others were tortured, not accepting their deliverance, that they might obtain a better resurrection. Others were tried by mocking and scourging, yes, moreover, by bonds and imprisonment. They were stoned, they were sawn apart, they were tempted, they were slain with the sword. They went around in sheepskins and in goatskins, being destitute, afflicted, ill-treated, of whom the world was not worthy, wandering in deserts, mountains, caves, and the holes of the earth. These were all commended for their faith, yet none of them received what had been promised. Since God had planned something better for us, so that only together with us would they be made perfect. This is the word of the Lord on faith. We keep vision, we sustain God's vision by mutually reminding and encouraging one another about what God has said. We remember what God has done in the past and his faithfulness to us and by obedience to the next step God directs. There's power in agreement with God. Agree with him about what he has said to you. Agree with him about what he has shown you and show your agreement by your humble and teachable heart and by your obedient actions. Say what he says, pray what he says, do what he says, and encourage those around you to do the same. You've been listening to a teaching by Mary Jean Powers. If this teaching has ministered to or encouraged you and you'd like to donate, please visit www.getthewordout.cc.